Welcome to TMM's Better Business Podcast Series. Each month we catch up with a leader in the mortgage industry to bring you insights into what is happening in the New Zealand market. I'm Philip McAllister, the publisher of TMM, and I'll be presenting each podcast. Each podcast will run for between 15 and 20 minutes each. They're designed to give you new ideas to help you with your business and to help with your professional development. They add to our current suite of products, which include TMM Magazine, tmmonline.nz, and the TMM Better Business Conference. Welcome uh, to the very first TMM Better Business Podcast. Joining me on this first show is John Moody from Base Corp in Hamilton. Welcome, John. Nice to have you on the on the show. How are you? Thanks, Philip. Nice to uh, nice to be here. Yeah, no, that's good. Hey, I just thought we said, no, you know, with this podcast, what we'd do is we sort of we'd look back a little bit at last year and what's happened go through your thoughts on this year and then sort of talk about some of the opportunities uh, for advisors. So just as a, as, a, as a start, can you sort of give me a bit of a roundup of your sort of reflections and, and particularly lessons from last year? Yeah, I think 2023, there were a couple of challenging themes that ran through the year um, for, for non-banks generally, but also for base court. I think the first was a, a, a really an interest rate story. Um, it's been a a number of OCR increases through the last 18 months, um, you know, and then we had the OCR taken from 0.25% to, to 5.5%. And with the non-bank market, or certainly the bulk of it being being floating rate, um, you know, borrowers were impacted almost immediately. So you had that ongoing stress of, of passing on interest rate increases fairly regularly to borrowers. And um, the higher interest rates generally just translated into lower lower volumes for our industry. I think the second theme um, is really one of, of the property market activity. Um, you saw quite significant declines in, in activity um, in settled properties, um, and that coupled with lower property prices generally meant there was a lot less activity um, for non-banks and just a lot less uh, market to, to go around. And I think the, probably the third main theme um, that we saw was um, really regulatory relief um, that came from the Labor government. Um, you had the triple CFA come in and uh, enforce really in 2021, and you saw quite a tailwind for the non-bank industry through that period. Um, wind forward to 2023, and, and you begin to see that partial unwind of the triple CFA, and I think that translated to a lot more, um, you know, bank competitive activity uh, as the banks got more comfortable with the regime and, and their ability to operate within that regime, and that relief as well that we saw come from the government. Um, just made it more difficult for banks to or, or non-banks to to compete really with with that banking sector and so again um, a story of lower volumes and um, you know a more difficult um, environment uh, for us so it's quite interesting so the first two house prices and interest rates are, are ones we still really don't know what's going to happen I mean obviously at the moment there's a lot of um, a debate around what the OCR is going to do and and you know we have ANZ forecasting more hikes while no one else is seeming to agree with them. The housing market seems to have sort of bottomed and been, been taking off again. So when we get to that, we'll come to the triple C FA a little bit later on in our discussion and get your thoughts on um, what the national or the, our new government is planning. But it's just sort of you know looking back on last year. So with volumes going down, how much pressure did that put on the non-bank sector, and what did it do to sort of book quality for for lenders like yourself? 
I think it puts a lot of pressure on, on volumes, um, just in a, a general inability to meet targets. Um, I, I think you saw a hollowing out really of the, the prime space uh, within that lending, lending segment. So if you, you think about non-bank originations generally, um, we, we talk about prime, so, so lending that's very close to, to bank origination quality. Uh, we talk about near prime, so just drifting slightly away from it, and we talk about specialist lending, so so really lending that the, the banks haven't historically um, entertained. That specialist segment's still very strong, uh, but it's a small part of the overall lending category for us. Um, but what we did see is really the banks um, shifting heavily into both prime and, and near prime, and um, really the non-banks struggling to compete, whether that's on rates or on um, you know, I guess credit appetite. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think overall a difficult, difficult environment generally. Mm. So one of the things which I found interesting over the years is as, as you know, the, the non-bank sector became more buoyant, you know, lenders, non-bank lenders started moving more towards offering prime type products. Is that a trend which is going to continue or do you think that's going to reverse now? I think it's well and truly reversed. Um, I think you saw that same trend in Australia. Um, I think the reality of a, a, a low uh, cash rate, uh, both across Australia and New Zealand, is that it gave uh, the non-banks greater ability to complete, compete in that prime space. And so a lot of non-banks really um, decided to compete head-on with the, the banks as a, a genuine funding alternative. And I, and I think that was good for our industry. It was good for the profile of non-banks generally. But as rates have increased, um, as bank appetite, particularly in New Zealand, has returned, um, we've seen them really crowd uh, non-banks out of that prime space and increasingly crowd them out of that near prime space too. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's just cyclical in, in many ways. Um, there will be a return to prime lending for the non-bank industry, uh, but I don't think we're there yet. So it is going to be a cyclical thing. So we're going to see non-banks go in and out of that sector over the years. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think you know it'll take significant interest rate increases, uh, decreases to to really um, you know return non-banks to that prime space. But but you know I think like anything, um, yeah, these things do do change and they are cyclical. And um, you know I'd expect that that category to return at some stage. So that's an interesting one. How hard do you think that makes it for advisors when you know? They've got sort of one product here and then it sort of changes and then it disappears again in, in terms of, you know, giving them confidence that they want to use those type of prime products if they know that, you know, come a high interest rate environment, they might get turned off again. Yeah, we've seen different behaviours from some of the non-banks. So, so some of our peers um, have, have turned off that prime product and, and so there's been a bit of an education piece for brokers in terms of this is what our new product set looks like and, um, you know, this is what's available in the market. Uh, for ourselves, we've really tried to stay very consistent with our product offering. Uh, we've always done a prime product. Uh, we continue to do that, but we haven't seen the demand there from from advisors and their customers um, for that product in any meaningful um, sort of numbers. So for us, there's no education piece. It's still very much available. Um, it's just a case of um, you know, waiting somewhat for the market to return in that category. And so, so looking forward to 2024, you know, we're obviously into February, March now. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what do you sort of see as the opportunities for Basecorp and, and the non-bank sector? I think there's significant opportunities in, in the short-term lending space at present. Um, so we're seeing um, increasing activity there. Um, 
that's a space that, that banks historically have not operated in. And so as we've seen property market activity begin to pick up um, over the last three to four months, um, we've seen increasing business in that segment. I think the reality of, of um, that segment and non-banks generally is, is not a lot of ability to fund it. Um, so so when, when you look at non-banks, historically they've been funded through securitization facilities in the long-term mortgage piece. In short term, it's much more difficult. So you've got a range of, of funding sources there that might be capital, that might be wholesale um, investors, might be bank debt as well, so short-term bank debt. But it's generally quite limited in nature. And so um, as we're seeing demand return um, in the short-term loan piece, you know, I think there's an increasing question of how non-banks will fund that. And so um, yeah, I think for someone like ourselves who are really coming out of the, the last 12 to 18 months quite well capitalised and, and, and with an increasing amount of funds to lend, um, we're quite excited about the short-term piece in particular. Mm. It seems to me that there there is quite a mu- uh, quite a lot of money out there to lend, but it's finding a home for it at the moment. Is, would that be right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think um, a lot of non banks are, are searching for for loans generally. Um, yeah, particularly in long term, so long term prime and near prime, and and I don't think that segment's really there. But even in the short term, I think um, you know there is a, a lot of money there generally. It's just a question of how long that money will last um, if we do see a, a sustained pickup in the property market. So do you see that you'll be doing more short-term lending this year? Yeah, and I think we already are. So we're seeing that that trend play out. We're seeing a number of um, property traders um, return to the market for the first time in, in a couple of years. I think that's encouraging and says a lot for the their confidence in the near-term direction of the property market. Um, but but also just, just more needs-based financing generally, whether that's property development or or, or loans linked to property development or just asset lending generally i think it's it's this point in the cycle where this starts to pick up and and we're pretty comfortable that we're seeing increasing evidence of of that pickup so how are you going in terms of having money to lend and i know in the past you'd um i think you've done three securitizations is that right yeah that's right yeah so we've done three securitizations totaling about 800 million um yeah currently we've got a lot of funds to lend um a, a couple of hundred million about 200 million at present We've always prioritised um, having a, a strong ability to, to fund deals, and, and we think that um, allows us to have really high levels of credit consistency in our underwriting process. And so that's been been a feature of our business over the last three to four years, and that, that's something that hasn't changed. Um, so we've for basically very much um, out there in the market looking for for deals, and um, yeah, with with a good availability of funds to lend. So, what's the ideal deal for you? We've always tried to steer away from an ideal uh, deal, if you like, um, and and focus on our credit policy remaining very broad-based. So, so fundamentally, we do both short and long-term product offerings. Um, so that, that again, pro- provides a wide scope of possibilities for brokers to work with us within. But within those categories, we can do anything from first-time buyers, uh, credit-impaired borrowers, um, investors, um, larger and uh, investors just starting out. We can do offshore investors um, who might be investing in, in property, you know, for the first time or, or on an ongoing basis. Property traders, asset lenders, really a whole range, and um, we think that's something that's appealed to the broken segment, and that there's something in it for for everyone uh, generally. And so, with you guys, you know, you don't have BDMs on the road. So, what's the best way that sort of brokers deal with you or get in touch with you? We've we've focused on on remaining relevant um, both in our advertising and con- you know, consistent uh, levels of things like webinars, 
but for us, we, we try and keep the process very simple. So, you know, people can get in touch with, with our lenders and, and once we've, you know, once they've been in touch once, we can develop that relationship with them. But whether that's a, a call, an email, or just send the scenario straight through, um, whether that's been declined by the bank or, or a new deal, um, we're, we're very flexible. And I think that, that flexibility is, has been key to, to some of our success over the last few years. So do you have any webinars coming up soon? We we consistently have webinars with, with a number of the, the leading aggregators. So we run those through, through the year. And um, yeah, I think to the extent um, advisors are working with aggregators that they should see us regularly um, in those. And in terms of sort of um, issuance plans for sort of you don't need to raise any capital at the moment, I guess, is that, that correct? No, that's right. We we last came to market in May uh, 2022. Uh, that was our biggest deal yet. We did 300 million. Uh, and so that gave us quite large levels of funding availability through 2023. And with the slow levels of growth, that hasn't changed. Um, yeah, for us, we would like to come back to market um, every year or certainly every 18 months with a with a market deal. And so, um, yeah, we, I think when we look forward in 2024, ideally we'd um, look to issue the later or second half of, of 2024, if not early 2025. So I guess watch the space. For, for us, the key is really that consistency of origination volumes. To the extent we can see that, then we'll have the confidence to, to go to market and, and issue I think the other challenge for us, and, and it's been one for the, the sector as a whole, has been that increasing um, competitive behaviour from banks in that refinance market. You saw Westpac do a low doc refinance product. Um, I think that's been successful in terms of you know, attracting refinance business for them. But it's also been um, just put a handbrake on on overall portfolio growth for us and, and other non-banks in terms of um, you know just consistently losing business to the banks and it's nothing we can do. We view that as a success in terms of um, you know, the non-bank sector generally being a point in time type lender. Um, some people will stay for multiple years and that's great. Others, um, when the circumstances are right, will we'll head straight back to a bank and, and, and that's fine for us. But it does, does create increasing challenges in terms of um, you know, building up um, a decent level of portfolio growth to go to market. And when we talked recently, you were sort of, um, you're sort of, uh, if I'm correct, you were quite quite okay with the sort of unwinding of the triple CFA, which which Labor did. Um, now we've got a new government and they're, they're proposing to go further. What are your views on that, and how do you think it will impact the business? Oh, well, I think when you look at the, the new government, I think the aims are laudable. Um, you know, to, to simplify the triple CFA, improve clarity and uh, you know, clarity and efficiency. I think some of the the original aims of the triple CFA changes in terms of um, you know, a more prescriptive nature, probably didn't work out as intended. And so you saw that gradual rollback occur um, under the last Labor government, and, and now National are clearly looking to go much further. But I think you know, at heart, looking to retain an, an ability to look after vulnerable borrowers and, and target our high-cost loan industry. And I don't think there's anyone in New Zealand who will disagree with that approach generally. You know, for us, I think when we look at the, the RBNZ indexes on, on things like credit availability. Um, that's improved markedly over the last year. And, and I think when you look at, in particular, the regular, regulatory change index, uh, again, that's improved quite significantly. So I think a lot of the, the damage, if you like, around the original triple CFA changes have been corrected um, through the Labor government. But the you know, further revisions, albeit unknown, um, you'd expect um, you know, banks to be more aggressive. So for our industry, while we might be 
the overall, overall support of, of some of those triple CFA changes, we're cognizant of the fact that it's, it's likely to lead to further bank appetite and increasing challenges for the non-bank industry. Who are able to take more bespoke view on, on credit um, you know, than the banks are? Yeah, yeah. No, it would be interesting to see how, um, how, it, how it evolves. Is there anything else you'd like to sort of see happen in that regulatory space? I think for us, it's about um, you know certainty and and you know for us, there's been a large amount of change over the last three to five years um, with the you know um, consumer credit generally, and um, you know to the extent the national government are going to you know roll that back further, we're keen to see them get on with it. So um, you know it seems like they're aware of the the issue that that people do have a bit of fatigue um, from the level of regulatory change to the extent this can all be resolved over the next six to 12 months and, and we can move on as an industry, I think that would certainly be high on our wish, wish list. And just sort of finally, I wanted to sort of cover off what, you know, advisors can do better and what opportunities you see for them in the in the, in the marketplace at the moment. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I think there's been a, a lot of change within that advisor industry also. And, um, you know, I think the, the level of regulation um, is something we're supportive of uh, as a non-bank and as an industry. Um, and I think you see the, the the level of regulation flowing through into an increasing quality of, of applications supporting data, and um, you know I think that's that's overall um, fantastic for for the advisor industry, and um, yeah, it's it's raised standards across the board. I think the opportunities for advisors, um, even in this low volume type environment, although hopefully we'll see volumes increase through 2024. Is really around the level of advice use uh, within New Zealand. I think you only have to look overseas and in Australia and, and the US um, to to say that the advice use channel or the use of advisors um, as a whole is quite low in New Zealand. Um, although it has increased significantly with some of the complexity we've seen over the last couple of years. So I think I think the opportunity is to increase that further. And um, yeah, if they can cr- increase usage over to you know numbers similar to Australia, sixty to seventy percent. And I think that's a, a pretty good pie for advisors to take a, a, a share of. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, John. It's been good talking to you and, and, and I appreciate you uh, giving us the time. Thanks, Philip, and really appreciate being here. Yeah, no, all good. Awesome. Thank you.